0: Welcome to the Quality of Love podcast. I'm your host, Tyrone Dixon, nationally certified life and relationship coach, husband, father to two beautiful princesses, CEO and founder of A Rose to Concrete Consulting, and newly certified matchmaker. Thank you guys for taking the time out to listen in with us tonight. We really appreciate it. We are back up and running with our Wednesday question and answer episodes. Once again, I just want to say thank you to everyone um, who sent me well wishes last week, checked in on me, um, all of that good stuff, just to see what was going on with our with our question and answer episode on Wednesdays. No, I, like I said, just to reiterate, needed, needed a little time to reflect on that whole um terrorism situation that, that occurred at Capitol Hill. Um, now that I, I'm, I'm back in a good headspace, I'm, I'm back ready to go. Uh, I want to make sure that you guys know that we'll continue to put out these answer, question and answers episodes on Wednesday. Just last week, Friday, we, it was that situation threw everything off, right? So we're back in full effect and we'll kick today's show off with the quote of the day. This quote actually was a quote that I recently heard by Pastor Eric, Yore of the quality, or I said the quality of love, sorry about that, of the promised land church, right? And that's a church over in East Syracuse, not too far away from um, where where I live in central New York and the first time i ever met pastor yor was when uh, my family invited me to go to their church cuz he's actually their pastor um so i met him probably a couple years ago two or three years ago now and um ever since i met him I, i've been making sure that I've, I've been keeping an eye out for him keeping an eye out for information that he shares cuz they do a lot of really really good things over there at the promised land church so um on sunday he said this quote and the quote reads Be careful how you treat people on your way up because those are the same people you see on your way down. Once again, that quote is be careful how you treat people on your way up because those are the same people that you see on the way down. And the idea behind this quote was that when you're in pursuit of your passion and you're in pursuit of all that the Lord has for you in life, be mindful of the people that you encounter on your journey, because the way you treat them uh, has a direct effect on how you are treated when you inevitably fall down or when you falter in life. Because, you know, it happens to everyone. So, again, quote by Pastor Eric Yor. Be careful how you treat people on your way up because those are the same people you see on your way down, right? So be humble, be kind, be generous, and be a good human being. Question number one from the relationship side of things. Why do I feel insecure about my boyfriend? More people admire and love him because he is smart while I am hated for whatever reason. I love helping people, but they still hate me. What should I do? Once again, that question is, I feel insecure about my boyfriend. More people admire him and love him because he is smart, while I am hated for whatever reason. I love helping people. They still hate me. What should I do? I think in this instance, you want to not focus so much on what others think about you um, and what others kind of feel about you. What you want to do is make sure that you're being very strategic in investing your energy into the right people. Right. People that really, really care um, and are empathetic and appreciative and grateful for your actions will show that not only through their words, But through their actions as well, right? So treating you in the right manner, being kind to you and being kind to those that associate with you. I think in this instance, you're, you're investing your energy into the wrong people. If you find that you love helping people, but people hate you, right? So those are probably not the people to invest your energy in. I also want to throw another piece in there. Um, When it comes to your boyfriend, you want to be careful of saying things like, oh, people love you because you're so smart, but they hate me. Because what you could be doing is you could be inadvertently pushing your boyfriend away because you're constantly telling him about some of his good qualities and qualities that people should like about you. And you're throwing them in the f- in his face and making him feel like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't be smart or my girlfriend has trouble with me being smart, right? So instead of doing that, I would invite you to redirect your energy into yourself and into the people that actually are genuinely appreciative of your acts towards them Um, because you could be doing a couple of things. Number one, you could be setting yourself up for failure by investing um the energy and time into people that don't necessarily reciprocate. And the other thing you can do, like I just said before, is you could be could be doing is you could be inadvertently pushing your boyfriend away because it's not necessarily his fault that he's loved by other people. Um, It's it's one of those things, right, where people people genuinely gravitate to people that are intelligent and that have a, a certain level of intelligence. So. Be mindful of of your actions and especially your nonverbal communication when it comes to that situation, uh, because you you might be um, ostracizing yourself and kind of painting yourself into a corner there. Question number two, what type of things are going on in America right now? Once again, that question is what type of things are going on in America right now? I hinted at it a little bit last week, but I personally feel um, everything that you see going on in in America right now is a um, kind of unveiling, right? Or or look into the mirror. I've said this again last week, and I really firmly feel that um, there's been multiple situations throughout my life in which I've ended up in a situation where I'm thinking like, okay, there might be white supremacy here at play, or there might be a little bit of racism or prejudice here at play. Um, that storming of Capitol Hill on January 26th or January 6th, excuse me, 2021 for me was an absolute confirmation of all the things that I, I felt subconsciously. And that's the, the unruly nature of some Americans, the uncivilized nature of some Americans and uh, the willingness just to be, um, divisive if they're losing power. I think that that's what you see. Um, that's always been going on behind the scenes. There's always been um, a discrepancy in the way that white people and black people have been treated. Now it's on full display. Um, you see with with white supremacy, when they lose power, they start to act out in the same way that they say that that black people act out or in the same manners that they say black people act out. Right. So like that whole mob mentality, thugs by nature, all of that is um, pretty much what, what we've been told as black people that we are. But it's really them. All right it's always been them and i I am happy uh that this incident occurred because now the the world can see it on full display just the uh, the um the the lengths of of just pain and agony and willingness to um project violence on innocent people when they lose power that's this is a real thing um white people they they fear losing power man. And if you look at our history as a country, you'll see that, right? Anytime that power was threatened or they feel like they may be losing power in some way, shape or form, they've acted out, right? So this is just history playing itself out. America has a lot of hidden, um, dirty, dirty, ugly truths. And uh, hopefully people start to do some research and look into these these truths now that this situation has occurred. Right. And I think if you do do your own research, you'll see that this isn't the first incident of this kind. And um, hopefully it's the last and hopefully it's a there's a certain amount of awareness that has been brought into it that will prevent people from being this ignorant going forward. Question number three what if my girlfriend is stuck on her first platonic love is it normal that she is thinking about him and taking notes once again what if my girlfriend is stuck on her first platonic love is it normal that she is thinking about him and taking notes i for one do not believe that that is normal in any way shape or form um i would even go as far as having a frank conversation with her right now or as soon as possible um about how much baggage she might be carrying from her previous relationships. Sometimes, especially when we're talking about like a first love or um, someone you lost your virginity to or something along those lines, there's a, a special connection that we don't necessarily acknowledge. So we think that, oh, it's over, so we'll hop into a new relationship. And it usually turns out really, really bad for the partner that that kind of has to pick up the slack, which in this instance is you. Right. So I would have that frank conversation with her, um, and ask her, is she genuinely and truly over this gentleman? If she's not, then that, that certainly would be your indicator to leave the relationship or just be friends. Um, because if she's taking notes and she's thinking about him to the, to the point where you have to think, well, is she still in love with him or does she still have strong feelings for him? Then that's, that's a red flag for sure. It's a red flag. And she may not be aware of those actions and she may not be be aware of the bond that is formed from the your first love or like the first time you were in love so bringing this to her attention it may help your relationship uh it may also be a be a clear indicator like i said that you need to start looking other other places or you guys make maybe better off friends for this little time period until she's over her uh her ex right so have the conversation i know it can be difficult if it's your girlfriend i know it can be strange but the more you allow the dwelling and and the thoughts of the other gentleman to penetrate her head. And especially if she's taking notes, because that's, that's bad. I'm not going to lie. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty alarming. If you ask me, if she's taking notes then mentally, she may be in another place, although physically she's present with you. All right. So have the conversation and hopefully it goes well, my friend. Question number four, why do guys like when their girl is kind of slow? Once again, that question is, why do guys like when their girl is kind of slow? Uh, I think it's, it's it's a matter of different strokes for different folks. Um, but I frankly have also been in um, one-on-one individual coaching sessions with gentlemen that are, are a little intimidated by partners that have strong wills um, that or that want to have some sort of independence in the relationship. It can be intimidating for a lot of men. And the reason that I've found that men are intimidated in those ins- instances or situations is because they are not quite sure how to articulate their feelings when they're under stress or duress, right? And that that's bound to happen if you have two alpha male, an alpha male, excuse me, and an alpha female within a relationship. It's bound to be a disagreement, um, a conflict, something along those lines at some point in time in the relationship. So for men that that aren't quite comfortable with articulating themselves, those that can be a, a big kind of hindrance to their masculinity so um again i say different strokes for different folks but in the instances in which i've i've definitely worked with men that say they like when their girlfriend um is not that intelligent or cannot articulate that well the reason behind that was um they did not want an attack on their masculinity at some point in the relationship right so it's 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 one of those things where if you aren't comfortable with articulating yourself if you aren't comfortable with expressing your needs then the relationship can certainly be a intimidating because um in a lot of cases women have the the natural ability to say what's wrong with them and and elaborate on that and say oh not only what's wrong but the the thing that got them to this point of feeling wrong and how you can improve on that right women are used to having those conversations. They've had them since they were smaller. Um, Whereas men, we we don't typically talk about feelings and expressing ourselves. So when we do get in those relationships where we have to express ourselves and say how we feel, it can be slightly intimidating. Question number five, how can you tell if your partner no longer loves or wants you? Once again, that question is, how can you tell if your partner no longer loves or wants you? There's, there's several indicators. Um, things that I've seen in the past include, um, an unwillingness to do the things that they used to do, um, to make you happy or the things that they do to make you happy, right? All of a sudden, there's an unwillingness to do these things. There's a, it seems like it's, it's a burden for them to have to do these things. That's an indicator. The other indicator that I've found most often. Is when a partner loses patience with you very, very quickly, right? So they went from being receptive and open, um, and extremely patient with you to now they, they are short tempered. They're on edge all the time. It appears. And it's like anything you do or say, it feels like you're wrong and you have to walk around, walk on, excuse me, eggshells around your house, right? So when you start to, to get those eggshell feelings, like where you, damned if you do damned, if you don't, so to speak, then I think that's when you really want to start looking at the, the, um, relationship in terms of, is it a lasting one or does it have the ability to be a lasting one? Right. Because I've seen countless times people get to that point where their partner loses patience with them and they just keep continue to go along until they're miserable. Right. And there's another, there's another side to that too. Where if you become submissive and you assimilate in a relationship, then your partner starts to think, oh, okay, everything's good. Everything's fine. Um, They're just going along with what I say. And it's not it's not good for them either. Right. Because it's not challenging them um, or it's not forcing them to work on the things that they need to improve upon in the relationship as well. All right. So those are my indicators. Um, The patience one is big, though. If your partner loses patience for you um, or they no longer want to practice that unconditional acceptance, that's a pretty good indicator. The final question from our relationship side of things is how do you really know if you love somebody? once again that question is how do you really know if you love somebody that is an excellent question actually i've i've not thought about that question in a long time um i would say when you are willing to be extremely patient with someone so just like with the last question that i answered when you know someone no longer loves you when they when they're not as patient as they were before you know you love someone when you're patient with them right so even even the slightest things that get on your nerves and pet peeves you find it within yourself to be patient with your partner because you understand that they're working to improve and they're working to get better right so i would say the the number one indicator just like with knowing that someone's no longer in love with you would be patience right They have patience with you, um, they're willing to work with you, and willing to to be a side-by-side partner as opposed to someone who you need to put on a pedestal. The other indicator that I would throw out there when it comes to knowing that you love someone is when you're constantly thinking in terms of team and not just self, right? So when the conversation shifts from what do I want to do or what do I want to eat to what do we want to eat? Where do we want to go? What are our goals in the future? What do we want to do in terms of going on vacation, having a family? When the conversation starts to shift to we, from me to we, excuse me, then that's when I say, you know, for sure that you really, really love someone because you can't see yourself or a future without them involved in your life. All right, let's hit on some insight from a former narcissist. Question number one. When it was over, what did you miss about your narcissistic ex? Once again, that question is, when it was over, what did you miss about your narcissistic ex? I did not miss a thing, to be frank with you. I really didn't, Um, especially once I got out of the whole blaming myself and kind of what the heck was I doing standing in that relationship for so long and picking myself back up I swear to goodness I did not miss a thing um and I was so happy and so grateful and still to this day so happy and so grateful that that the Lord helped to remove me from that situation because I don't think I would have been able to do it on my own um but yeah it there was just there's so much um negativity and hidden dangers uh, landmines is what I like to call them when it comes to being in a relationship with someone someone who's a narcissist that th- you don't even want to think about the things you miss. Like once you are out of that situation, you want to go full speed ahead and don't even look at your rear view mirror. Question number two, does anyone actually get over narcissistic abuse? It's been seven months since I left him and I feel more messed up and broken than ever. Is recovery fully possible? Once again, that question is, does anyone actually get over narcissistic abuse It's been seven months since I left him, and I feel more messed up and broken than ever. Is recovery, excuse me, fully possible? I think it is. Um, is. I'll also tell you that seven months is a short time. I know that's probably not what you wanted to hear, um, but I have to be frank with you. Seven months is not a long time, Um, especially if you you spent years in a relationship with a narcissist and, and were exposed to years of narcissistic abuse. Seven months is actually a, a pretty short time frame in which to expect to feel better. Um, that time frame actually aligns with what you are feeling. So the fact that you feel, um, more messed up and quote unquote broken, um, that's, that's pretty much right along the lines of like the, the, the change model when it comes to relationships, right? It's the denial piece. Um, then it's the resistance. It's the then after the resistance, it's feeling of, of broken or abandonment or or unworthy of certain things. And once you get over that hump, you'll start to see the the error in the ways of the narcissist even more clearly. And then once you are able to see that. That's when you can expect to feel better. Um, right now, it's it, the wound is still fresh. Uh, and I, again, I know you probably don't want to hear that. Recovery is fully possible. You want to make sure that you make the social connections that you need to make. Um, so as I mentioned before on this show, there are a ton of support groups out there now um, for narcissism, for being exposed to narcissism, excuse me. Um, you can go on Facebook, maybe even Instagram. Uh, Twitter certainly has one, but try to seek social support networks. On It doesn't have to necessarily be on social network or social media, excuse me, but try to seek social support. A social support network that you can talk to about this situation, because the more you allow um, all of the the negative tendencies that were displayed and the abuse out was displayed to just dwell in your head, that's the longer it, it'll torment you, so to speak. Right? You need to talk to other people, um, maybe a mental health professional if necessary, but you don't want to be the only one that's that's dealing with what's going on in your head right now. Because as I've stated before on this show, that if you're the only on dealing with the issues in your head it's inevitable that you'll find reasons to blame yourself for the relationship failing good luck um i am sending prayers your way for sure i know it can be difficult but please understand that recovery is possible um you just have to work at it on a daily basis question number three does being a narcissist serve you well at times and in what ways also how do you feel it hinders you in life if at all once again, does being a narcissist serve you well at times, and in what ways? Also, how does it hinder your life, if at all? Um, so there, I've have heard um, and even felt that that being a narcissist um, did serve me well uh, when it came to trying to achieve at my job and just not caring about, um, others in terms of their, their approach to success or whatnot. Um, but ultimately it did lead to what I feel was a hindrance in life. Um, so I don't think there's a benefit. Let me answer that piece first before I even get into my spiel. There's no benefit to being a narcissist. I do not believe that. um, in the long term that is right so it might be temporarily you feeling good and or you feel like you're able to achieve and you like get all of this admiration but it hinders you in the long haul because as you hear me say every single time this show is played, the quality of love and relationships that you have in your life determines the quality of your life. So um, a narcissist rarely has quality relationships. They're either associated with yes men or women, or they're very, very lonely, right? So well, I say all of that to say that even if you think being a narcissist is okay for now, In the long term, it is not good because you do not have quality relationships in your life. Question number four, what are things narcissists love to do behind your back? Once again, that question is, what are things narcissists love to do behind your back? Uh, I would say lie, manipulate, um, try to put you down in any way, shape or form that they can um, make sure they're the victim and you're always the person antagonizing or you're always the bad guy in the story. Those are things that I've, I've seen them do on a regular basis to the point where you could even have a situation where your own family members believe the narcissist and their lies over you, right? And going back to what a narcissist is, a controlling, uh, self-centered individual, they love that. They love to be the person that's looked at as the victim while you're looked at as the antagonizer or the bad guy in the story. Question number five, will a narcissist seek revenge on a partner or former spouse months or years after a relationship is over? Once again, will a narcissist seek revenge on a former spouse or former partner? months or years after the relationship is over? I would say yes, certainly. Um, you never know what a narcissist is capable of doing. Um, so I would not put that past them, especially if it's a good opportunity to kind of seek revenge on you. So if, if you feel like you're over them and like the entire situation is over and you've picked up the pieces in your life, they would like nothing more but to bring you down right or try to seek revenge. So be mindful of that. Um, if it if you operate with my mentality or my my mindset, I would say you're never in the clear when it comes to narcissists. You so you always have to keep an eye out for them especially if you still have to maintain a relationship with them, right? So if you have children, um, a dog, uh, common friends together, right? You want to make sure you're vigilant in those situations um, because they will try to take those opportunities to get revenge on you. And finally, question number six, how long until a narcissist actually makes contact again? Once again, that question is, how long before a narcissist actually makes contact again? I think this is a a very individually specific question. Um, It it depends on the degree of of control the narcissist is trying to have or thinks they have over you, right? So if you have an extremely controlling narcissist individual um, that you just broke up with, chances are they're going to try to contact you right away because they want to kind of keep their tentacles on you, so to speak. If it's someone that um, is is more of the passive-aggressive type of narcissist, I should say. They'll, They'll periodically wait for opportunities to contact you just to check in, right? So... Every couple of months, they might randomly reach out or say, like, send you a message saying hi, randomly. Um, And in that instance, they're just looking for you to engage and come back to them and say something back, so then they can start to try to throw those tentacles out there, right? So, just to reiterate, it degrees on the degree. It depends, excuse me, on the degree of control the narcissistic individual thinks they have over you, right? If they're extremely controlling and they think that they still have you. under their spell they'll try to contact you right away if they they're like oh well we'll we'll just see how we'll see how she does without me so to speak and see if she can live without me um they may wait a little longer um and contact you periodically either way when they do reach out and contact, understand and know that that portion of the relationship is over. There's no need to try to dip back or there's no need to tell yourself things like, well, you know what? Maybe they change or maybe they things aren't the same way. If it's an individual that you know for sure is a narcissist, there's very little that changes in their, in their kind of thought process and ideology. So if you were fortunate enough to get out of that situation, stay out of it and don't look back. Those are all the questions that we have for you guys tonight. Thank you again for getting your questions in. I also have to say this. Um, our our questions have expanded from like three or four questions to now um, six questions apiece, which... Thank you so much. And I'm extremely thankful for that. Um, Again, that you guys trust me to be able to answer questions, give you practical advice and point you in the right direction. So I'll I'll, I'll be eternally grateful for that. Please keep getting those questions in. I don't mind expanding the episodes um, a little longer, especially if it's helping you guys out. Right. So that's the whole idea of the quality of love. We want to give you really, really practical advice that you can take and apply to your life right away. Remember, you guys are more than welcome to hit us up at TQLP20 at gmail.com with any questions that you guys have for our big Wednesday episode. Once again, that's TQLP20 at gmail.com. Or you guys are more than welcome to hit us up on our Facebook page, the Quality of Love Podcast. As always, guys, the quality of love and relationships that you have in your life will determine the quality of your life. Peace and love.